you snuck in later in case you missed it. My name's Chris and I'm uh, just one of the team here at Beyond. And we're so excited to have you with us today because today we're actually launching season one for 2020. And if you have no idea what a season is, uh, I'll explain that really quickly. Here at Beyond, we kind of break our year down into three-month blocks. Uh, And the reason we do that is really simple is because we believe that what we're doing is super important. And you know what it's like um, if you've set a New Year's resolution um, and February comes around and you forget it, or if you're really, really disciplined, like the middle of the year comes around and then you kind of forget it. And so we believe that what we're doing is so important that every three months, uh, we kind of have this rhythm where we build in and we remind ourselves, hey, this is why we do what we do. This is why um, we exist. This is the impact that we want to have on the world. And so we have a three months of, uh, where we do go-beyonds and big events like Easter and Christmas and all that sort of stuff. And then we have a month just to pause and reflect, to review, and then we do it all over again. And so we do that three times uh, a year. Now, um, and so for the next couple of minutes today, um, all I want to do is I want to have a conversation about more than ever what we are about as the local church in Griffin. More than ever why we exist, more than ever um, why we want to, you know, like I said earlier, create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And we're, kind of, we're kind of coming out of January, right, which is the time of the year where everyone sets their resolutions, everyone sets their goals, particularly in the Western world. And so we've just spent a whole, spent a whole month really looking forward, haven't we? Because when we set goals, we like to look forward and we like to say, what do I, where do I want to be financially? Where do I want to be relationally? Where do I want to be with my family? What holidays do I want to take? What upgrade do I want to get to my house, to my car, to all that sort of stuff? And a couple of years ago, I was reading, uh, it's a really famous book. If you haven't read it, you've probably heard of it. It's written by a guy called Stephen Covey. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in it, he asked this question, but he asked it in a rather unique, a rather different way. And he says this, he says, what would we like people to line up at the end of our lives and thank us for? Right, because so often when we're sort of looking forward and planning our goals, we, you know, we say things like the upgrade of the house, the upgrade of the car, like I finally want that six pack. But the reality is no one is going to line up at the end of your life and go, oh, I'm so glad you went keto. Like, I'm so glad you have so much energy and you got washboard abs. Like, no one's going to thank you for that. And so I thought that it would be, it would be helpful for us to take a couple of minutes as the local church in Griffin and say, hey, at the end of the day, at the end of our time together, when we, when we kind of move on into, the, into whatever the next life has for us, what would we like people to line up and thank us for? And I can understand, depending on your church background, you could look at this and you could be, think that's a really arrogant question. Like, no one's going to thank the church for anything. Or you had a bad church experience, or someone you know had a bad church experience. And, and I want to let you know, as best as I can in the like, 30 seconds that we've known each other, um, this question does not come from an arrogant place. This question, really, the reason that we're asking it is because we have an extraordinary opportunity, we believe, to make a remarkable difference in this community. We have an extraordinary opportunity, and we're going to actually look at exactly what that extraordinary um, opportunity is. Um, but I know that you have busy lives, and so particularly if you've kind of just new to Beyond in the last six months, you definitely wouldn't know this, but even if you've been around from day dot, you're so busy you probably won't know this, that in around about six months, uh, Beyond is going to turn five. We're going to be five years old. And there can be this real tension that when you turn, um, when you turn five, or when you get to a significant milestone, particularly when you're a church, that you can just kind of think, oh, we've done it. Like, look at us, we're, we're, like, we're established now, like, we're a legit church. Like, and then what you do is you put your feet up, you relax, and you coast. 
And there's a lot for us to celebrate over the last five years. Like over the last five years, Beyond started as a, as a team of eight people, as eight leaders, and grew to now there's over 50 leaders in a whole heap of different environments. Right? We, we have so many leaders, we have to have leaders of leaders. Like we, we actually, in the last five years, Beyond has like relocated. We used to meet up in a local church that helped us get a start, and now we relocated to be in the heart of our community. We can celebrate the fact that, hey, we've gone from one service to two. We can celebrate the fact that, hey, you know, when we launched, we had one connect group. Now, in the next two to three weeks, we're going to be launching nine connect groups across the region. When we started, we had one youth ministry. It was run by me, another guy on our team, and his mum. Now, thankfully, we're not in that anymore. (laughs) Instead, we have a kids' environment, we have a junior youth environment. We actually have two senior youth environments, one here and one we're launching at Kabulcha in a couple of weeks' time. We had, when we had our first ever Go Beyond, where we just serve our local community, there were 10 people rock up. Last year, we had over 30 people give up their Saturday morning to be a part of this community. There is so much to celebrate. And I'm not saying we shouldn't celebrate, because we should and we will when that time comes. But I don't want us to coast, because we have still, more than ever, an extraordinary opportunity to make a remarkable difference. And see, when Beyond first began, when it was just kind of, before we even actually launched, and there was just that group of eight leaders and we were gathering together and we were praying and we were sort of saying, hey, what, what kind of church do we want this to be? The thing that we said is we, we want a church that was different, right? We want a church that if you have no church experience, that you can come in and you can understand every single thing we talk about. We wanted to create a church where you could genuinely belong before or if you ever choose to believe what we believe. We wanted to create a church that removed every single obstacle that stood before someone and getting to know Jesus. And that's why we actually have our vision the way it is, because we want to, and our vision is to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And we don't have time, but chances are if we were to go around and like we were to talk to you and we were to hear your story, and we were to say, hey, why did you come back? Why did you keep leaning in? You would all have something slightly different, but there would be this theme running through them, and you'd say, well, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but it was a little bit different. It was a little bit different. It it wasn't what my church experience was like in the past. It it wasn't what I expected, and because it it was a little bit different and it wasn't what I expected, I, I wanted to come back, and I wanted to lean in, even though I wasn't sure what I believed or what I thought about God. And the reality is, is that right now, we have more opportunity than ever to continue to do what we're doing. Here's what I mean by that. Griffin, the community that we're in, at the moment has around about, a little bit over, but around about 9,000 people that call it home. When it's finished developing in the next few years, it will be home to just over 20,000 people. There is one local church in this community. It's us. Which means no one else is coming. No other local churches are coming. And what I mean by that is, is that there is not any zoning. The government haven't put zoning for even the possibility of another local church. If you want a local church in this community, literally the only place you can have a local church is right where we're meeting now. No one else is coming. And to kind of give you just so you understand how big of a deal this is, North Lakes, which is just up the road, is already over 20,000 people in it. There are 12 churches in North Lakes alone, and there are more coming. Right? We have an incredible opportunity to make a remarkable difference in the lives of adults, 
in the lives of primary and high schoolers and in the lives of families through the different environments that we have. So all I want to do for the next couple of minutes is I just want us to sit and, uh, and I want us to dream for a little bit. I want us to paint a picture of what it could look like if we were to continue and recognize that now more than ever we have an opportunity to make a difference. And then I'm going to ask you to do something. And what I'm going to ask you to do is one thing that could change everything for someone. And if you're a Jesus follower and you're in this room, chances are someone has already done this one thing for you. But don't think about that now. We're going to come back to that. Back to my original question. If I could have you all over to my house um, and we were to have a barbecue in my backyard, I'd need a bigger backyard firstly. But once we got a bigger backyard and we would all sit around and, and you were to say, Chris, what would we like or what would you like people to line up at the end of our life and thank us for? If I got to write the script, if you got to, if you got to tell us um, or you got to say what our contribution to the, uh, to the community was going to be, what would you say? To be honest, my list is really short. It's only got three things on it. It's only got three things on it. If I was to say, hey, here's the contribution that Beyond gets to have in the local community. Here's what it would be. First of all, our contribution would be a community where the local church is seen as an essential part of the community. Like, I, I, I would love nothing more for... <clears throat> whoops, that is really irritating, hey? Um, if it's irritating me, it must be irritating you. Um, something that breaks my heart is the fact that in communities all across Australia, that there are local churches that if they were to shut their doors, people in the community would not notice. That, that's incredibly, incredibly sad. I want us to be a, a local church that is so embedded in the community, that makes such a difference to the lives of people in the community, that if anyone was to ever come in and say, I want to shut these guys down, that the local community would say, you can't do that. Look at the difference that they make. Look at how much better our community is because they're a part of it. We don't believe what they believe, but we are so glad that they're here. And here's the good news is that you've already started to do this. You've already started to do this through the way that you give to the Be Rich campaign, through the way that you serve on Go Beyond weekends, through the way that you put together hampers and distribute them to the local community, through the way that you jump on board and um, partner with Griffin State School. Last fr- two Fridays ago, actually, there were 12 leaders here at Griffin State School on a Friday afternoon who cooked over 1,000 sausages for parents and families walking through so that volunteer parents didn't have to be cooking them. So that on that day, the parents could be with their children, meet the teacher, see the new classroom, take away some of that first day anxiety that comes with a new, new school year and new friends. That's what I see. So I don't, I don't want to say we're not doing this. I want to say, let's keep going. Let's not coast. Let's do what we're doing, but do it bigger and do it better than what we've been doing so far. Here's the second thing I would say. I would say our contribution is a community where people skeptical of what we believe are envious of how well we treat each other and amazed at how well we treat them. You know when the church or Christianity first jumped onto the pages of history? People were confused because it didn't make sense to them what was happening. Because what would happen is as the Romans would throw out babies into the gutters, Christians would come and pick them up and adopt them into their families. As plagues were ravaging towns and everyone else was running away, Christians would run towards them. In a society that said, if, if, you know, if you're ceremonially unclean or if you have a, a certain skin disease, you can't be part of our community, so you're pushed to the outer. Christians actually went out to those people on the outskirts of town and provided food and provided shelter, 
and provided a community of people around them and it made no sense to anyone. Everyone looked in and said, what is going on? And it began to transform the world. The way in which Christians love began to transform the world then and we can do it again now. I've just got to tell you something though. Don't let this leave the room because this is like one of my biggest pet peeves about Christians. Okay, so I'm just going to trust you. Don't, don't let it leave here. One of my biggest pet peeves about Christians is how easily we forget this. How easily we f- make it about something else. Right? And Jesus, right, Jesus talked about this in a way that he never talked about anything else right before he died with his closest followers. And he pulled them right in and he looked them in the eyes and he said, hey, the world is going to know you're my followers if you do one thing. When they look in on your life, when they observe your life, when they hear what you talk about, what they're going to do is observe uh, by the way you live if you're a follower, and they're going to be able to tell by one thing. And the one thing is the way in which you love one another. And then he kind of paused a little bit and he kept going on he goes but just just to be clear so we're clear it's not love as in like the rom-com movie that you see all the time like it's not love as in like what you kind of experienced growing up as a child and so Jesus clarifies he goes you're to love the way that I have loved you which means that you were to put the world's needs before your own that you were to put your community's needs before your own that when it's uncomfortable when it's challenging, when it's difficult, you're actually, you actually are the ones who have to say, you know what, we're going to say no to us so that we can love the world around us. Imagine a community where people are skeptical of what we believe, are envious of how well we treat each other and amazed at how well we treat them. Here's the third thing I would say. A community where people want the message of Jesus to be true before they believe it's true. Like, honestly, because when, when the, you, you look through the New Testament or the collection of documents that make up the New Testament, the New Testament writers, they refer to the entirety of Jesus' message, what Christians would call the gospel. They refer to it as good news. But they don't just refer to it as good news. They refer to it as the good news. Because what they were saying is, hey, this news about Jesus is actually the best possible news that anyone anywhere in the world could ever get at any time in history. It supersedes every other piece of good news that you could possibly get. And let's be honest, <clears throat> isn't there a little part of us, particularly if you're in the room and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian and you've got questions, that wants the message to be true? Right? Who doesn't want justice in the end? Because you look out of the world that we live in and there is so much injustice going on. Who doesn't want ultimately for there to be justice? Who doesn't want ultimately for there to be eternal life? For you to say, you know what, this life that's living now, it's, it's not all of it. It's just a part of it that there is more to come. Who doesn't want a God, if God were to exist, who doesn't want that God to be someone that wants to know you personally, that knows your circumstances, that knows your situations, and then more than that, invites you to refer to Him in a personal way as Heavenly Father. Not because He's like literally a male, not because He's against women, but because that is the best picture and that is the best description that we have of what it means to love someone in the way that God loves us. And I think that, this is just my personal opinion, I think that when the gospel, when the good news of Jesus is 
simple, when it's clear, when there's no clutter around it, that even today, people lean in. And people want it to be true before they believe it's true. But here's the issue. When the gospel gets cluttered, when it doesn't make sense, when we decide that we're going to use big theological words that only Christians know, who are the people that miss out? The people that don't know Jesus. Because we know how to navigate through the clutter. We know how to navigate our way through and make sense of what's going on because we know what the end goal is. But if you're uh, someone who's got questions and you're curious and you walk into a church and all they do is quote big words that you've never heard before and stand up and sit down and you're not sure what's going on and no one tells you what's happening, what do you assume? If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, it's all about legalism. It's all about rules. It's all about this knowledge that I have to acquire. And they don't know the clutter that they're trying to make their way through. And I think that Jesus actually knew this. And I think that Jesus would know that there would be a point in history where the clutter would get in the way. Because he saw it happening in his day and his age. And there was a a moment where Jesus got into this really heated debate with a bunch of church leaders. And the reason he got into this heated debate is because they looked at Jesus and they saw the type of people who were hanging out with him the type of people who were drawn to him. And so you know what they concluded? He must be watering it down. He must be changing the message. He must be saying something that's not quite 100% true because of the types of people that are coming to him. And Jesus, in the midst of this heated debate, this is what he says. He says, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. And you might look at that and you go, ooh, that's a little bit, someone's an outsider, right? No, what Jesus is saying here is, is you know what this means if you've ever walked into a church and no one makes eye contact, no one talks to you, and then the the service starts and you have no idea what's going on. You feel like an outsider. And Jesus is saying, I'm not here to invite the people in church, into church. They're already there. I'm here inviting outsiders. And then he says this, an invitation to a changed life. That's what's on offer. And that's what gets in the way when we clutter it up. A changed life. Changed inside and out. Now, I just want to step out of the message just for 30 seconds. I just want to step out of the message because I know that there's a group of you, followers of Jesus, a subset of that group who are probably sitting there and you're probably thinking like, "Mm, yeah, okay, I get what Jesus is saying, Chris. But what about me? Because I just want to go deep. Like I want to use all the theological words. I want all the depth. Let me get really deep with you for a second, okay, if you would fall into that group. Jesus is talking to a bunch of these people right here. And the reason, this is, we don't pick this up in the text because we read over it so quickly, but what Jesus is saying here is like a backhanded slap to the people who think this way. Because Jesus is saying, if you were really understood what God cares about, if you really understood God as well as the big theological words and all the verses that you want to quote so well, were, you would have already been inviting people in. I wouldn't have to come here and do it. And what Jesus is saying is that if you go into that defensive mode, and well, what about me? Jesus is saying, maybe it's your life that needs to be changed first. Maybe it's your heart that needs to be reformed from the inside out. That got real quiet. Let's go back into the message. We'll come, someone, you can come and talk to me after about that. We'll go back into the message. And so, if you can't tell, 
if you can't tell by now, like I am more excited, I am more energized, I am more pumped up than ever before to go beyond church and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. To create a church that unchurched people love to attend with you. And I'm so excited to let you know that our big goal for season one across our community is simply this, to invite anyone, people who don't feel like they belong, people who had a bad church experience, people who are like, church is never going to be for me. Invite anyone from anywhere to take a next step. That's our big goal for season one, just simply to invite anyone from anywhere to take a next step. Now, here's what I know about you. You're busy, right? And I get it, because you hear this and you're just sitting there and you're like, look at you all fired up, Chris. Go get him, Tiger. Like, I hope you crush that. Look at you go. You're all excited. And I know that, right? Because the kids are just going back to school. Like the work year is amping up. You've got to go through and refinance your house. You're trying to have a baby. You've just had a baby. Your boys found out about girls. Your girls found out about boys. Then they started dating each other. They bought one home. You're like, why are you dating them? But I get you've got stuff going on. It's busy. So here's, here's my promise to you. That our board and our leadership team, we're going to take care of all the organizational stuff. But there's one thing that we want you to do. And if I can push the friendship a little bit, I would say there's one thing that you must do. One thing that could change everything for somebody. And it's actually not a a new thing so much as it is remembering something. And it's not really so much a thing as it is a habit. And this is habit, it's not a new habit that we have here at Beyond, it's, it's a habit that's been part of our community right since the get-go. And it's something that's called a keystone habit. If you've never heard of a keystone habit, a keystone habit is like a habit that if you do it regularly in your life, it has cascading effects into other areas of your life. So an example right off the top of my head is if you were to, um, if you were to journal the food that you eat. So you start journaling the food that you eat, and so what do you do? You start to think more about the food you eat. And because you think more about the food you eat, you start to eat healthier, you start to work out more. And because you start to work out more, you start to lose weight, and on and on and on and on and on. But it just, it's this one habit that if you have it, it has this cascading effect. And at Beyond, we have, we have a number of keystone habits, but the keystone habit I want to draw you back to is this habit. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest in the people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your, the parents of your kids sporting or extracurricular teams and invite. And I want to be uber clear. The reason we invite is not because people are projects. The reason we invite is because we don't want them to miss out. We don't want to, we invite just like when you go to that brand new restaurant that has the best waiter ever and they're kid friendly and they're at a reasonable price. You tell all your friends because you don't want them to miss out. When you see the new Star Wars movie or the new movies that are coming out and you're like, this is the greatest movie ever and you post about it on social media, you do that because you don't want people to miss out. When you find that new daycare that you've been looking for and you know that one of your friends is also searching for a daycare and you tell them, hey, we found this great one, you'll probably like it if we do. The reason you tell them is because you don't want them to miss out. And the reason that we say invest and invite is because we don't want people to miss out. If Jesus really is, and you believe that he is what he says he is and who he says he is, then you wouldn't want people to miss out either. And I know that some of you are probably like, ah, Chris, but how do I do that? Like, I don't want to be awkward, invite someone. I don't want you to be awkward either. Like, that's terrible. Um, So we, we actually have this thing here called the three knots. And the three knots is actually your cue. And when you hear one of these three knots, that's your cue to go, oh, okay, I'm going to invite you to church. And the three knots are this. 
Not in church, not going well, not prepared for. Not in church, not going well, not prepared for. If you're having a conversation with someone and they're like, hey, what'd you get up to on the weekend? You're like, oh, we went to church. Then we went out and there. someone goes, oh, yeah, I'm not really in church. You go, oh, you should come to my church. And then here's what they're going to say. Oh, I'm not really a church person. Like faith is not really for me. Then you say, well, you know what? My church is created for people who don't want to have anything to do with church. You'd love it. You'd love, you should come along. You should come, in, come to church. Here's another thing. When things are not going well, you know, you're sitting next to that parent and you're watching the swimming training finish up for the kids and they start to tell you what's happening at home. They go, it's, it's just really not going well and I'm, I'm not quite sure how to navigate this. Well, you just say to them, hey, well, you should, you should come to my church. I say, well, how would that answer my problem? Don't worry about it. You should just come to my church. <laughs> and then when they say, someone goes, I wasn't prepared for this. I made the jump, you know, from high school into university. I just don't know how to navigate that situation. I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't thinking about it. When we took that second mortgage out, now we can't make the repayments. We're not prepared for this. You should say, hey, you should, you should come to my church. And some of you are probably like sitting there and you're thinking like, well, okay, Chris, like it sounds like in every scenario, I should invite someone to church. Like, are you really saying that the church is the solution to everything? Well, maybe. If it really is the greatest news in the world, we should want every single person who is not in church to be in church. If the news is really that good, if it's really going to change their lives, everyone who's currently not in church should be in church. And what better place, honestly, to be when things are not going well in life than surrounded by a community as opposed to being isolated, feeling like you're the only person in the world who is going through this struggle, feeling this struggle. What better place to be in a connect group or around a circle of people that you can say, you know what, it's it's really not going well, and I just need to know that if I pick up the phone and I call you, that, that you'll answer. And what better place to be than when you encounter someone in lo- something in life that happens and say, you know what, I wasn't prepared for that. And the person you share it with goes, yeah, you know what, me neither. But here's what I use to help me navigate through this scenario. Maybe, maybe it'll work for you too. And then we're going to go even one better. Because we're going to give you the specific words to use, right? The specific invitation to give. Right? Normally at this point in the message, this is where I'd give you like what's called a four Monday, where we'd kind of give you the application of everything we've been talking about. But today I want to give you a for the season. And I want you to use this every single week throughout the course of the entire season. I've already started doing it, right? I've been doing it to like, I did it to like some random cashier over Christmas. I started talking to his tattoo. I was like, you should come and sit with me um, at my church. And he's like, oh, no, thanks, man, but that's okay. Um, but here's the fourth season that I want to extend with people, and it's this. Come sit with me. That is, this, we've given you the words. That is a specific invitation that you can give to someone. Not, hey, you, you should consider coming to my church, or maybe come to my church one day. Or, hey, wouldn't it be cool? That you, you, come to my church. No. Come sit with me. I'll pick you up. I'll meet you in the car park. I'll save you a seat right next to me. I'll sit in the back row so that, and, you know, and I'll wear a crazy hat so that when you come in, you know it's me and you can sit down right next to me. I'll take the crazy hat off once you come so no one looks at you. Don't worry, it's all good. But come sit with me. Because that means that you have to rock up. And that means you have to save a seat for someone. So come sit with me. And I know that there are probably some of you and you're going <clears> to <throat> cross your arms and I'm not inviting anyone, Chris. It's not, you don't understand. That's just not the way I do it. It's great for you um, and that you're a pastor and stuff or that, yeah, you get excited about that. But I, it's not for me. And I've got a question for you. Aren't you glad someone invited you? 
Aren't you, glad, aren't you glad they, they didn't stop it the first time? Aren't you glad that after four, five, six times they kept inviting you? And aren't you glad that even though you didn't want to come, maybe you finally came? You have the opportunity to be that for someone else this season. And I, I know that we talk about all this stuff and it can kind of sound like big picture. So I want to make this really, in the last minute that we have together, really, really personal for you. Because at the end of the day, the reason we do this is not because we want to get big, it's because we want people's lives to be changed. And there was a, a young lady, actually, at the end of last year, she, um, she came up to me after, um, one of our, uh, after our PM experience, and, uh, and I'd actually never met her before. Someone actually had to introduce her to me, one of her friends. I was like, hey, Chris, I want you to meet my friend. And uh, she's like, I wrote you a Christmas card. I was like, okay, cool. Like, here's me. Like, I've never met you before. Like, you're just going to give me a Christmas card that says, like, Merry Christmas, because you're doing that for everyone. And I went to open it. She's like, no, 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 don't, don't open it now. Like, I want you to open it later. And I wanted to read you what was inside the card. And then I want to share why this is such a big deal. So this is the card. It says, to Chris, this is the card, actually. To Chris, I've been to Beyond four times now, and I've had the pleasure of singing the Who Needs Christmas series from the start. As a former atheist turned agnostic, and now a confused agnostic, leaning closer to faith, the historical language and lens of your talks is amazing, and I know it's going to change my life. Every talk you give makes me not just understand, and this is my favorite part, but believe even more. I'm very grateful to, and she actually names her friend in here. She names a friend for introducing me to Beyond, but also for your talks and the passion you bring to them. So thank you, and I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. Now, I don't say that so you can think, wow, I need to go and share who needs Christmas with all my friends. No. I share that because I was so curious when I heard that. Because I know everyone, there's always a backstory. And so I went and I started talking to this young lady and I said, so, so hang on a minute, tell me, tell me how'd you end up here at Beyond? She goes, well, I went to a social event. I went to a social event and someone from Beyond was there. And um, we got talking at this event and it happens like once a month. And uh, we found out that, hey, we actually live kind of close to each other. And so we said, hey, well, next time we come to this event, we should, we should carpool together. And the next time we're going to this event, as we're carpooling, I'm telling her how I've just broken up with my boyfriend of four years, and I really don't know. Um, I wasn't prepared for it. Things are not going well in life. I don't, I don't know what to do. And the person who's in the car with me says, you should come to my church. And she kept inviting me over and over again. And this girl who is, who, like she said, she's an atheist agnostic. She goes, well, fine, you've kept, you bugged me for so long, but I'm not going to come. Oh, sorry, I'm going to come, but I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to have fun. And I'm definitely not going to believe or come back ever. She has not missed a week since she came to that series. And she has not stopped asking all these questions about God and faith. And so here's my, my challenge for you as we invite anyone from anywhere to take a next step this season. Actually trust that God cares about the people in your life, that God's working behind the scenes of their story. And actually trust that when you hear one of those three knots, that God will use your invitation to change everything for someone. And my hope is that when we look back on these three months, is that your names will be written in cards like that, where they say, you know what, I am so glad that you invited me. It was the best invitation I ever received. Let's pray. Jesus, as we get ready for this brand new season, as we 
start to begin to extend invitations to invite anyone from anywhere to take a next step. Help us be specifically attuned to those three knots and not in church, not prepared for and not going well. And help us to have ears to listen, not because we want to change anyone, not because we view people as projects, but because we genuinely believe that you have the power to change people's lives and we don't want them to miss out. So help us be bold, help us be courageous and help us to extend those invitations in the months to come to come sit with me just as you did for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.